What is up, everyone? I've got some news for you. I kind of went viral on TikTok. Um, not like super, super viral, but we're going to get into that later. So hopefully today's episode is going to be fun. Before I get into that, I hope everyone is having a good week as usual. If you're not, let me be honest here and say neither am I. I was debating whether or not to talk about this kind of stuff in my intro because I really don't want to drag down the energy of the episode or anything, but I also do want to keep you all updated on my life. So I've been having a really tough few weeks, especially this last week. I'm still actively dealing with these health issues that I've mentioned before, and it's quickly approaching three years since they began, and I'm also halfway through my gap year. So my anxiety has really heightened as I'm just like, okay, I really need to figure this out and I just don't know what to do. Um, I finally started looking into therapy though and I'm really happy to be having my first session tomorrow, which is Wednesday, and I think it will be really good for me. I actually had a therapist briefly while I was in school, but I was super busy and every session I would just cry my eyes out and I always had my weekly math quiz afterwards. Spoiler alert, I got a D in that class, which is by far the worst grade I've ever gotten in a class and it made my freshman fall GPA a 2.7, but that's another story. And yeah, since then I was like, okay, maybe this is not good for me because I end up feeling way worse after my therapy sessions because I just like cried. But you know what? I changed my mind. I really want to give it another try and I know it's going to be really beneficial for me. So what else? Um, recently, it was Super Bowl Sunday, as we all know, and I don't know anything about football. So I really was just there to watch the halftime show. Although I was a bit more invested in the outcome of this game since um, I go to school in Philadelphia. So I saw on social media, all of my peers were obviously rooting for the Eagles. And so, you know, I guess by default, I was also rooting for them, even though I don't really know anything about either team. I spent almost all of that day really, really anxious and desperate because I felt like I needed to act fast and figure out what the F was going on with my health. And right as the halftime show started, I cried because I had been sort of working myself up leading up to that moment. And then I got a nosebleed from both of my nostrils. I do sometimes get stress-induced nosebleeds. And so while it didn't last long... While it was bleeding, it was very continuous. So I was just like frantically trying to stop the blood coming out of both my nostrils and I couldn't find cotton balls and then it started getting on my clothes. Luckily, I was not wearing white, unlike the backup dancers from that halftime show. Unrelated, well, kind of related, but I keep seeing on my TikTok for you page the backup dancers um the marshmallow backup dancers as some people call them with like the really white puffy jackets and yeah that's been kind of funny but the halftime show was me swallowing my own blood against my will of course while rihanna is just going off 
Also, I don't know why I just felt super self-conscious saying Rihanna instead of Rihanna because prior to like recently, I would always say Rihanna, but I started to think like, wait, didn't didn't she say that her name is actually pronounced Rihanna? And so I looked it up and she did say that, but she also said she was okay with both pronunciation so like it's fine I don't know how common knowledge it is that that's actually how her name is pronounced but from now on I think I'm gonna call her Rihanna anyways I had to rewatch the halftime show on YouTube because I was not very present during that moment if you know what I mean let's get to the real news it had to do with me going semi-viral on TikTok. Not the TikTok for this podcast, um, a different one. And I also got some, some haters. And that inspired the topic of today's episode, which is really just gonna be a little story time about that experience and discussing some of the criticism I received. Not because I'm like offended, but because, well, I was a little offended, um, but because it was kind of like a curious result for me. I'll, I'll explain. And also the general concept of people pleasing because when I got these critical comments, I immediately had my people pleasing instinct to like try to compromise with them and reach some sort of agreement. So what is the context behind this? Since I mentioned this is not my podcast TikTok, but a different one. If you listened to my last episode about influencer culture, shameless plug, you'll know that I'm doing a little experiment as a user-generated content creator or UGC creator for short. If you're unfamiliar with UGC, it's essentially normal people without huge social media followings who make authentic looking advertisements and testimonials for brands to post on their social media accounts. Think about it like a casual TikTok or Instagram reel style video that looks like it's coming from a real customer and minus the fancy production and marketing, etc., of a professional commercial. And these UGC creators, or at least some of them, are kind of making bank I'm talking in really exceptional cases, 20 to 40K a month. Obviously, I was not looking to make that much money, but I thought it would just be fun to try since I do, I mean, I just like social media. I've always liked that. So I made a Twitter, Instagram, TikTok for my UGC and I start posting, hoping to get some followers, but also not really that optimistic because I felt like not only were my UGC videos not good, for the record, by the way, basically what creators will do is they will make social media accounts specifically for showing off their UGC content. And before they get any brand deals, they'll just make some example videos, maybe like using a product in their house, whether that's a beverage or skincare product, a hair dryer, like whatever you can find in your house and demonstrating like this is how I would advertise a product. So I made a few terrible videos with my blue light glasses as one of the products. I also used a water bottle and I had like a cookie ASMR video. Really just not good videos, okay? 
I knew that no brand was going to be like reaching out to me, begging to work with me. By the way, I know this is probably really boring and no one cares, but I promise it's somewhat relevant or I'm getting to the point. Um, another key portion of UGC is having an online portfolio to show these videos because yes, you should demonstrate them on social media, but you should also have some sort of like website that you can link when you email brands, for example. Most people will make a website using Canva, which is a really great web design tool. That will be their online portfolio of videos. I did this as well in the beginning, but one thing I didn't like about Canva websites is it's very clear that you made your website on Canva, if that makes sense. For any sort of free website hosting platform, unless you have a custom domain name, your website URL is going to have the the platform name in it and it just looks kind of ugly. And so for Canva, your website URL has my.canva.site at the end. And so, you know, it just doesn't look very professional. By the way, this is no like shade towards all the UGC creators who are using Canva websites because the truth is your actual portfolio content matters way, way more than how you're making the website or what you're using to host the website. Um, no judgment. But basically on Twitter, which is a place for, you know, looking for brand deals, a lot of UGC creators will be commenting or replying to tweets with their portfolio links. And so it's just a sea of like my.canva site, this.mycanva site, that my canva site. And I just felt like I needed something to differentiate myself or my portfolio if my videos were going to have the audacity to be as mediocre if even um as they were like i just needed something else that would show my uniqueness or commitment to ugc and so i was bored and like okay i have time what if i try to code my own ugc portfolio since I have some coding experience and I have coded a very basic personal website before. So I embark on this journey of coding the portfolio and obviously it took me a lot more time than using Canva. It took about eight to 10 hours, but I finished. Let me tell you how I finished or why I finished within that time range rather than like 20 hours because I am an amateur, okay, I just am. And there were a lot of formatting errors and bugs along the way, which is inevitable when you're coding, unless you're some sort of genius that is perfect. Um, because when you design a website, especially when it has videos and pictures, which mine did, you need to make sure the formatting looks good on both a mobile device and on the desktop. Um, this is like called responsive programming, where your website or whatever you're making changes format depending on the screen size. And that was a huge issue I encountered because my website would look amazing, fantastic on my computer, and then I would make the screen smaller, and it was a disaster of things overlapping that should not be overlapping, things being too big, too small, things disappearing, you know what I mean. Okay, how did I fix that? I used a lot of YouTube, but when it came to formatting errors specifically, I was using ChatGPT, like a lot. Because I realized, first of all, work smarter, not harder. If you give ChatGPT a 
good prompt, it's going to give you a pretty high quality answer. And so you don't have to write all the code by yourself, especially when it's less focused on like fundamental logic and more focused on syntax. So when I was debugging, it started as like, hey, chat GPT, I'm having this problem. How do I fix it? But then I started to be like, hey, I want to implement this feature, write me the code to do that. Because I started to see that every time I asked a question about fixing a bug, chat GPT would give me like a code snippet. And I was like, wait, I can not only can I fix my existing problems, but I can implement new features with minimal effort on my end just by asking chat GPT like to generate the code for me. And it doesn't always work, but in general, it really sped up my coding process and allowed me to have some features in the website that I wouldn't otherwise have the energy to figure out how to implement. A small example is at the end of the website, I put my email and I made it a hyperlink so that when you click it, it opens a mail pop-up window to like send me a message with the recipient being me, like already auto-filled. I didn't have to look up how to do it or even write the code myself. So I was like, this is cool. And I make a little TikTok about it to post on my UGC TikTok. Even though it's more coding related, it is my portfolio and it's tangentially related to UGC, even if it's not a product demo. And I caption it, shout out to ChatGPT for coding my UGC portfolio. Now, I will admit I was being a little bit clickbaity, a little bit overgeneralizing, right? Because it did not code my entire portfolio. Really, most of it was me. But I mean, come on, right? Like when you're on the internet, you need to get people's attention. And I don't even think I really did that on purpose. It was just the first caption I thought of. I was just kind of being sarcastic, like, hey, thanks for doing everything for me, dude. Because even though I did the coding mostly myself and especially the logic part of it, I felt like it was such a bargain that I could ask ChatGPT for help and it would give me these long code snippets that I could just copy and paste. But to be very clear, it's not like I could just input a prompt saying, write me a website and I'd have a full website. And that's where... I think the misunderstanding was that kind of caused my video to gain a lot of attention because if you try to code a website, you will know there's a lot more that goes into it, a lot of setting up the coding environment and whatnot. And once you have something there, sure, ChatGPT can help you, but you kind of need to know what to ask and etc. So I don't expect anyone to care about this TikTok, but when I went to bed that night of posting the TikTok, my video had around 2,500 views, which was my most viewed video to that point, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I also got two comments. One said, no wonder it looks so bad, referring to like using AI to make my website. And I was like, okay, ouch. My first hate comment, um, am I famous yet? I, I didn't take it too seriously because it was very clearly like a troll account. And also that's a very mild negative comment on the internet. You know, it could have been much, much worse. But the other comment was in response to the first one and it said, nah, looks good, which I really appreciated. And then the next morning I wake up and the video has 35,000 views. And I was like, 
whoa, that was unexpected. And there's an influx of both positive and negative comments. A lot of people were asking for a tutorial and there were more people sort of criticizing the website or whatever. As I'm recording this four days later, the video has almost 300,000 views, so I do consider that to be semi-viral now. And basically, I realized the reason it went viral was because really everyone thought that ChatGPT actually coded the entire thing. So that was my bad for the wording in my caption. It was quite misleading. But I also had assumed people would realize I was being dramatic. And so I got a lot of negative comments saying, oh, this is cheating, or she's lying, y'all, or why would you post this? Um, I got two comments that just said digital footprint. And listen, I fully understand when you post on the internet, you're going to get feedback like this from both real people and bots. So again, I'm not really offended, although I will say in the beginning, the comments did sort of make me second guess myself, like, wait, should I have posted this? Did I do something bad? Why are people saying digital footprint? I think the phrase digital footprint in particular is very anxiety inducing, right? Because you don't want bad stuff on the internet traced to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, should I, did I just incriminate myself? But then I realized, wait, I'm literally doing a fun, casual, personal project and using ChatGPT for that is totally okay. I also did get some positive comments saying, this is so cool. I got a lot of people saying, can you please do a tutorial? Which is what made me realize the reason this video got the attention it did really was just because people thought that they could input a simple prompt and get a whole website out of it. Maybe in the future that would be possible, but definitely not right now, I don't think. And so I thought it was really interesting that there were a good amount of people who were seemingly offended by this video just because I actually expected the opposite from people of my generation. Now I'm making the assumption that the critical comments came from people in my general age group or generation. Um, I did not realize those people would have such mixed opinions on using AI tools for something like even just a personal project and that for many, it seemed like something almost immoral or embarrassing to admit something negative towards your digital footprint. I think obviously there are cases where you should not be using AI shortcuts, but this still surprised me. Anyways, this whole experience also kind of made me think about the idea of being a people pleaser. Why is that? It's because when I started receiving that criticism, I immediately found myself wanting to appease these people and be in their good favor. It almost felt impossible for me to accept the fact that sometimes people are not going to agree with me and it's fine. Like, they are entitled to their own opinion just like I'm entitled to mine, and neither of us have to change our opinions. 
But literally, as soon as I was receiving these comments, I started thinking, oh my gosh, I need to respond to them. I need to clarify what I meant. Like, I didn't mean to be misleading. I didn't mean to say that this chatbot coded everything for me because there are so many people commenting on the fact that I was like, shortcutting and I was not a real like programmer but I need to be non-confrontational because I don't want to start an internet argument. I just felt very uncomfortable leaving negative comments unaddressed just like letting them sit there in the comment section and accumulate replies and likes because then I felt like other people wouldn't hear my perspective and they would be influenced by these negative comments before trying to form their own opinion. I think about how I read so many hate comments on other people's videos just because I like to read comments and I never thought twice about how those hate comments made the actual creator feel. But when I was in those shoes, not to be dramatic or anything, because to be fair, like my negative comments were very tame compared to what I've seen other people experience. But I really felt the weight of each comment, even though I'm sure most people who criticized that video barely gave it a thought after leaving the comment. You know, it's not like they're dwelling on this all day in the way that I am. But I've just always been a huge people pleaser. I hate the idea of upsetting people or inconveniencing them. Like that idea terrifies me more than a lot of other things. Um, and I always put other people's wants and needs above mine, which is not a good habit. There is a balance between being generous or easygoing and still respecting yourself. I get terrible anxiety, in fact, about almost everything I say just because I am so worried about other people hating me. I think this may have to do with the fact that when I was growing up, my family definitely got in frequent arguments and I usually found myself being a mediator of sorts. I'm not someone who likes picking fights, although I definitely had my own bratty moments. But when I saw other people arguing, even when it had nothing to do with me, I would try to be the middleman and resolve the conflict. Then somehow over the years, I started to, you know, get really low self-esteem as a lot of teenage girls do and feel like my opinions were lesser than others. I don't know how that really happened or that I didn't deserve the same privileges as other people. I know that sounds kind of dramatic, but it's like if I was deciding where to eat with some other people to give a simple example, I'd always be afraid to suggest my own preference because I felt like it sounded too pushy and too forward. Even though, of course, if anyone else suggested their preference, I would never think about viewing it as pushy. Like that just would not come to mind for me. So why did I think that other people would view me like that? I don't think I knew how to say no. And to be honest, I still struggle a lot with saying no today, even though I think I'm a little bit better. I just felt there was no polite way to say no. Like if I said it, I would just be rude, period. If someone wanted to do some activity that I really didn't want to do, I'd still say yes. I would still act happy and go on with it. 
obviously within reason. I mean, if someone asked me something I really didn't want to do, then I probably wouldn't. But it would agonize me to to tell them that. If I was going with someone to a restaurant and they got something like a drink, not like an alcoholic drink even, just maybe a juice or a lemonade, I would feel like I needed to also get a drink so that they didn't feel alone, even though I didn't want one. The amount of times I've done that is absolutely wild. And the thing that gets me is when you are a people pleaser, at least for me, I make so many assumptions about what the other person wants from me, which I think is the root of people pleasing. But in that specific example I just gave, I am making the assumption that the other person expects me to also order a drink. I'm making the assumption that if I don't order a drink, this person is going to feel kind of weird or odd being the only one with a drink. And I mean, who am I to make that sort of judgment if the other person has not given me any sort of indication that they would actually feel that way? It's almost as if I am creating trouble for myself by making up these scenarios, telling myself, convincing myself that what I'm going to do is going to make the person react in this certain way. It's little things like that that just add up to me constantly analyzing how I'm being perceived by others, especially people I care about, and making sure that I seem super agreeable and pleasant to be around because for me, the last thing that I want to feel like is a burden. This is probably something I should discuss in therapy because it's a huge thing for me, but one of my biggest fears, I guess, is feeling like a burden. It just makes me feel incredibly guilty. You know, that's my sort of anxious self speaking out, but if I spoke from my logical side, I would know that anyone in your life who actually cares about you and is a good person to be around would probably not make you feel guilty for being a burden or imply that they think you're being too much um, if you're just, you know, expressing your wants and needs. But I never listen to my logical self, so why does that matter? I will literally spend an hour or more crafting a text on how to tell someone I don't want to do a certain activity. True story. Um, when I get a text message asking to do something that I immediately know I don't want to do, it will haunt me. It will haunt me for the entire day. I will be like, okay, Emily, you need to respond. But then the other part of me is, I really don't want to respond because I know I'm going to say yes. And I'm just not ready to put it in print yet saying that, I, that I'm going to agree to do this. I do find that it can depend on who I'm talking with though, whether or not I'm being a people pleaser. Because some people, I feel more comfortable being like, no way, versus with other people, I just feel obligated to be super polite. And once again, it's not because they forced me or give me any sort of indication that they want me to treat them that way. So it doesn't even have that much to do with how close you are with the person Rather, I think it's really the type of relationship and tone that you have with that person. There are some people I feel really close to, but I also get the vibe we have a very polite relationship 
And for example, like we would never even jokingly insult the other person because that's not our relationship dynamic. Then there are others where we kind of talk more casually, maybe we're not even that close, but the style of our relationship is we joke a lot and we roast each other and we feel comfortable making those playful jabs towards each other. In that case, I do feel better saying something that appears more forward or, in my words, pushy because it can pass as something that's half serious but also half ironic, if that makes sense. I sort of figure like, you know what? I can go ahead and say no. I don't have to worry about appearing rude because me and this person, we sort of say rude quote-unquote rude things to each other all the time and it's kind of in a more joking way so this is a way for me to get my message my real intent across which is that I don't want to do something but do it in a way that feels sort of lighthearted. yeah it's just like if someone texts me hey do you want to go do this even if I don't the only time I would probably turn it down is Well, if I had a genuine schedule conflict or if it was something that really did cross my boundaries, because I do want to emphasize all of the examples I'm thinking about right now are very sort of trivial ones like eating at a certain restaurant or doing a certain activity like bowling versus going to the movies. I'm not talking about the more serious stuff where it's like crossing your actual boundaries or what you're comfortable with, or something that's against your morals, not not any of that. But, you know, the, the, the lighter stuff, I have a really hard time saying no to. It's been especially hard in these past few years with my health issues because I have a lot more restrictions and things I just don't feel comfortable doing. And because I choose to keep my issues more or less under wraps, Again, it goes back to the whole feeling like a burden thing, even though no one is forcing me to hide anything that I'm feeling. It's just really hard for me to say no to things that seem harmless to an outsider. But for me, like I personally find uncomfortable given the context of my health. For example, having a sleepover, like totally normal, not an unusual thing for people to do. Not something that I feel justified like saying no to just because it seems so normal. But the thing is, I have a very specific night routine right now. I often feel worse at night um, in terms of pain levels and I really struggle with insomnia. Um, Or like while my gallbladder was an issue, Eating out at certain places where I knew the cuisine or a type of food would likely trigger my gallbladder or increase the pain I felt. But to me, it just, I worried that I would seem like too much by saying, no, I can't eat out or no, I can't go to that restaurant. I kept saying to myself like, Emily, it's, it's literally a restaurant, you know, one greasy meal, it's not going to hurt you that much. Don't be that person who's so picky or or super particular, like just just don't. On the other hand, there have been some times where I truly was just like, you know what, I I gotta say no, like I just really don't want to do it. And I, I think the whole health thing has really forced me to 
grow in that aspect and be more honest about certain things that I can't do. But still, I sometimes find myself compromising what I want and just being like, you can do it, don't be a wimp, can't possibly be that bad. The worst part is I find myself sometimes getting annoyed towards other people for suggesting these things that make me uncomfortable but are seemingly normal. And I know, I know that is very illogical and I talk myself out of that mindset very quickly each time um, because this is when people-pleasing becomes really harmful. It's harmful to begin with, but it's like you try so hard to make the other person happy and to benefit them, but ironically, you can end up doing them a disservice because you start getting annoyed at them instead of actually just communicating, right? It's absolutely not the other person's fault for wanting to eat here or have a sleepover, even if I find that uncomfortable, because how are they supposed to know that I find it uncomfortable or it's not something I want to really do if I don't communicate that with them, if I don't tell them? It's just not fair to hold people to the expectations that they can read your mind and know what you're going to want and always suggest something that you actually want to do so you don't have to worry about saying no. I know I really need to work on this aspect of my personality. I need to learn that it's not rude to say no. It's incredibly healthy for you and the relationship you have with other people to say no to the big things but also the little things like what restaurant you're going to eat at. In general, I need to be less afraid of being honest because at its core, I think people-pleasing is a fear of or aversion to being honest. Gosh, I feel like my own therapist right now. Yeah, those are my thoughts. Um... I hope you all enjoyed hearing about my little TikTok situation and I will be sure to keep you updated on that. The one thing that kind of sucks about going viral is that you feel pressure to only make videos in that niche going forward. So for me, I now feel kind of boxed into the realm of posting about computer science and technology and being a CS student, which is not a terrible niche at all. but. I also just want my niche to be me, if that makes sense. Same with this podcast, actually. I started it with the intention of my podcast niche just being my life. Okay, well, I'll catch you guys next week. Hopefully, all of us people-pleasers can start working on that because while it is great to be accommodating and easygoing, um, 2023 is the year of being real with ourselves and the people in our life. All right, bye now.